Hey everybody, this is Tina again, Good Nurse, Bad Nurse, and we're back for another week of talking true crime and talking good things and bad things done by healthcare professionals. And this week I have Chelsea with Do So Dis... I can't say it every time. I always mess it up. Do So Dishes Crime podcast. So good to have you back because the last time you were on, you were going to start a podcast. Now you have started a podcast. You've got a few episodes under your belt. It sounds wonderful. Thank you. I love it. And I I know everyone that's listening is going to love it too, you guys. And this is going to be a good episode too. We've got a couple of real interesting stories. And uh, this first story, the the true crime story that we're doing. Actually, a fan of the show sent me an email, and she's emailed me several times over the past several months. And then, because I recognized the email when I saw it, and I went back to check and see uh, her other emails, and I was like, this person has emailed me a few times. And I was like, wow, what a sweet person. So she sent me several stories, and this is one of them, and I couldn't believe, because I'm very familiar with the story, but had no idea that the person that, you know, that committed the crime was a nurse. And when I saw that, I I was like, I got to do this immediately. I want to do the story now, because <laughs> I just want to talk about this person, you know, the person we're going to be talking about that... Unfortunately, was the victim, but I guess we can get started on our show. Okay. So this first story is about Selena, the singer, the Latino singer. Selena, she was considered the queen of Tejano music. It's a type of music, Mexican music that incorporates country music and Western. And she was actually sometimes referred to as the Mexican Madonna because at the time that she was really popular, you know, kind of becoming popular, she wore the kind of bustier type, you know, tops and and dressed kind of in the same way that Madonna did. So she was just a really beautiful, cool and talented person. She was born on April 16th in 1971. And it's really sad to think about because when I think of her, she is like in her early 20s to me because she never got to live beyond her early 20s. And so you it's just weird to see that her date of birth is before mine. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it's just very strange when I when I see that. She would have been so, so famous, even more than she was. Well, she uh, yeah, absolutely. I think I, th- I think of like Jennifer Lopez and Gloria Estefan, yes. and she that's who she would have been. Mm-hmm. So she started out playing in the family band, which a lot of people do that. Her dad was a musician and had a band when he was younger. And so he sort of helped them. He was their manager. She her brother was in the band Her sister was in the was in the band. So her dad would get them gigs, you know, like at weddings and, and that sort of thing. She grew up speaking English, so English was actually her first language. She was born in Lake Jackson, Texas, so even though she was Latino, she lived, you know, she was um, Hispanic and lived in a a largely Hispanic population. She spoke English as her first language and had to learn English later, a little bit later. She would learn to sing the songs in Spanish, but she didn't necessarily know exactly what she was saying, which I thought was was interesting. (laughs) That's so funny. I did not know that. Now, she eventually did learn to speak Spanish, but according to her father, she had an accent. So eventually they crossed over into doing gigs like in Mexico. And he was worried that, you know, as long as she was singing in Spanish, she did it beautifully and perfectly. You couldn't tell uh, that she didn't speak Spanish as her first language. But when she was talking like to the press, he was afraid that if they heard her accent in Spanish, they 
would be like, you know, you're not really from here. Or you're not kind of wouldn't right. like her and re- would reject her. And that's not at all what happened. They loved her. Everyone loved her. And so she was very popular with the Tiano music fans. In 1987, she, at the Tiano Music Awards, she won both Best Female Vocalist of the Year and Performer of the Year. That was in 1987. So she was amazing and just hugely popular. So she would have been like 16? That she was born in 81 or 71? Yeah. Wow. By 16 years old. Yeah. That's crazy. That's pretty cool. Kind of like a Taylor Swift kind of person, you yes. know? Yes. Yes. In that in that population. Yes, absolutely. In 1992, she met Chris Perez when he joined the band as her lead guitarist. They secretly started dating in 1990. <laughs> uh, her, if you think about how old she was, let's see, in 1990, she would have been... Mm. Like 19, I guess. And her dad did not want her dating him. So she had to kind of sneak around and date him. And then they got (laughs) married on April 2nd, 1992. And her dad was not happy about it at first, but he eventually (laughs) just had to accept it. (laughs) So that same year, Selena met Yolanda Saldivar. Yolanda Saldivar was a registered nurse. And that, of course, is the, the person who's kind of the focus of our bad nurse story. And she started calling Selena's father repeatedly after going to a concert in San Antonio, and she wanted to start a fan club for Selena. So eventually he he gave in and and said, okay, so Yolanda Saldivar started a fan club, and she was the president, and eventually they promoted her as the manager of Selena's clothing boutiques because Selena, not only was she really talented as a singer, but she was she designed her own clothes. She designed all her outfits, and she had clothing boutiques. She also she had a contract with MAC, the, mm-hmm. the cosmetic. Yes. So she just did, she did a lot of things, but her clothing boutiques, they actually turned over them to Saldivar, and she was managing those, as well as the fan club. And by 1993, the fan club had reached 1,500 members in less than four years and eventually grew to over 5,000 members. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that was a, it was the largest fan club in the San Antonio area, and that's that was a lot of people, you know, for back then. You know, th- this day and age, when, when we see people with, you know, millions of followers and that sort of thing, it's not the same thing as, you know, a fan club in a local area where, right. you know, there's a lot of involvement that has to, to go. It's not, it wasn't as easy, I would imagine, to get that many people. So in spring of 1995, Selena's family discovered that Yolanda Saldivar was embezzling money from both fan club and her boutique's. So they fired her, of course, the first week of March. And then on the morning of March 31st, Selena agreed to meet Saldivar at a Days Inn motel in Corpus Christi. She was going to try to get some financial records that Saldivar had been refusing to turn over. And so Selena demanded the records from her. And Saldivar um, just, I don't know if this was... It seems so out of, it seems so incongruent with what was going on. It just, it seems like it had to be, had to have been more than just. I feel like, because I told you earlier, I've watched the movie 800 times. (laughs) And it seemed to like in the movie that Yolanda was very, obviously she was obsessed with Selena if she was contacting the family as often as she did and Mm -hmm. wanted to make this big fan club. And now she didn't want to lose 
the connection that she yes. had to Selena. Well, it's really sad because obviously, obviously she didn't love her and care about her. She wouldn't have done what she did. Yep. So it had to have been more, you know, about power and having control over her and wanting the, to have that connection with the fame mm-hmm. and the success, you know. So what happened is from, and, and this is all, uh, it's sort of speculation, but you can, you can really surmise that it is what happened um, just from the evidence. But when Selena demanded that she turn over the papers and pretty much just said, you know, I guess she kind of pushed her to the the point of this is just how it is. And Yolanda pulled out a gun and she pointed it at Selena. She shot her in the back. Okay, obviously Selena tried to run away because she, you know she shot her in the back, severing an artery. She was critically wounded, and Selena ran towards the lobby for help. The clerk. So when she ran out into the lobby, the clerk called nine one one. And then she died later in the hospital at 1.05 p.m. So Yolanda Saldivar claimed that the shot was accidental. Later on in a 2020 interview, she says that Selena had come to the hotel room to beg her to come back. She claimed that Selena threw herself at her feet and begged her not to leave. She also claimed that she pointed the gun at herself and that she told Selena that she was going to kill herself if she didn't leave. In other words, like, no, I'm going to leave myself. I'm going to kill myself if you don't go. And she said she held the gun to her own head, and she said I was telling her don't close the door. And and the only way that I could that make that make sense is that she had the gun to her head and she was saying, you know, either you know leave or I'm going to kill myself. Don't close the door. I think maybe she was saying don't close it as in leaving herself in. Like maybe she didn't want Selena to close the door and stay in the room. Right. Otherwise, it just didn't make sense. But she said that when she said that, don't close the door, she was pointing the gun at the door. Like she was like holding the gun. This is always so hard with the podcast but because I want to use my hands. But um, (laughs) So she's holding the gun to her head and she's pointing the gun toward the door. And saying, don't close the door. And when she did, the gun went off. I just don't believe that. Well, it's just... It It doesn't make sense. No. It is the most unrealistic, ridiculous version and excuse. And it really highlights, just because of how much it doesn't make sense, it really highlights her true state of mind. And to me, if if she was sincere, she would have just said... You know, I don't know. I don't know what I was doing. I didn't. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just really upset over everything. But instead, she says, "I didn't steal any money. Um, I didn't do that. I didn't kill her on purpose. You know, it was an accident." And just denies everything. The fact that she's had all this time to think about her story in prison, and that's the one that she came up with. Another singer not too long ago was in Orlando, Florida. She was actually on The Voice, but she was very YouTube famous. Her name was Christina Grimmie. And very YouTube famous, beautiful voice. And she had like a super fan, just like Yolanda with Selena, um, that was very obsessed with her and went to one of her shows and at like the meet and greet where she would take pictures with fans, he like showed up and shot and killed her. And she, like Selena, made it to the hospital, I think, but succumbed to her injuries. And I can't remember all the details. It's been a few years ago. But 
I mean, that kind of explains Yolanda's psyche. Like, they just get so obsessive with these people that it, they, they can't control themselves. And that's not, like, an excuse or justification. But to me, like, that's where I can relate her is that sick obsession with Selena. And now that's going to get taken from her. And she'd rather not ha- not anybody have her than her lose her altogether. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I do. I completely agree. I think that that's exactly what happened. And I think that she... She didn't want to lose the relationship that she had with Selena. She didn't want to lose the connection that she had to the fame. The and money. The money, the, the success, and all of that. She saw all of that going away, mm-hmm. and and she just lost it. And then Selena, unfortunately, had to pay the price for that. Also, you know, as far as that story goes, she was a registered nurse. And she did not call 911, nor did she offer any medical assistance to Selena after she was shot. She ran and also that gun was a 38 caliber. Apparently a 38 caliber handgun is not an easy gun to just fire. Mm-hmm. Heavy. You're not going to be as likely to accidentally shoot someone for it to accidentally go off, you know, because it's you have to pull the hammer down and then the the trigger once you, pulling that hammer down is not easy. No. That doesn't just you have to put a lot of force on it. And that gun that she had required 11 pounds of pressure on the trigger in order to fire it. So it's not like you're just going to accidentally be waving the gun around and your trigger, your finger just, auto, you know, just accidentally no. hit. Mm-mm. That didn't happen. Any kind of gun is going to have, you have to give it some force right. to, you know, to, to pull the trigger. So, yeah, it didn't make any sense whatsoever, her story. The judge did not give the jury the option of any lesser charges. And, you know, when I've talked on here before um, about, like, my I've done jury duty a couple of times, and I've, I've told you guys before I'm practically a lawyer, okay? By the time you do <laughs> a couple of jury sessions, you could call me as a witness anytime. I am just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, it's not true at all. But I do know one thing I have figured out is that sometimes they will the prosecutor will put multiple charges like they will say you can convict them of manslaughter or negligent homicide or felony murder, first degree murder or whatever. They give them different options because they don't want the jury to just say, well, I don't think it was first degree murder and they didn't give us another option. So we just say not guilty. Right. They don't want them to do that. So that's why they give them all the options. Well, the judge in this case didn't give them the option. He said, you have to either convict or quit. Either you think she killed Selena on purpose and it was first degree murder, intentional, or you or you have to acquit her. This reminds me of O.J. Simpson, just because he says, if the glove don't fit, acquit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And in, in this case, it's sort of the other way around. The person who killed the, the other person or the, the person on trial, uh, in O.J.'s case, he was the celebrity. Mm-hmm. And in this case, the victim is the celebrity. And so there are different things to have to overcome, you know, in those cases. I thought it was interesting that the judge didn't give them the option. Because I, I wonder if he just thought, really, why? Because 
she went there with intent and that's what she's going to be charged with. I'm not even of a lesser charge because she doesn't deserve it. Maybe. Yeah. I think he was probably afraid that they would take that option that they wouldn't want to convict her. And, but he, maybe he thought there's no way that they're going to let her, let them, let this woman get away with what she did. Mm-hmm. And so this was his way of ensuring that she got the maximum that she could get maybe. Yeah. Well, jurors deliberated for less than three hours um, on October 23rd, 1995, before finding Yolanda Saldivar guilty of first-degree murder. And then three days later, on October 26th, she was sentenced to life in prison with with the possibility of parole uh, in 30 years. So you got to remember this was back in 1995. We're in the year 2020 now. This is, We're not far away from the time in which she, she's she's going to be eligible for parole in five years. So she'll probably be, what, like in her 60s? That sounds about right. That doesn't mean she's going to get out. It just means, you know, they they could let her out, maybe, if they want to look at maybe her, what she's done while she's been in prison. Has she admitted? I don't think she's, to this day, admitted that she did what she did. Yeah, so I, she might not get parole. I don't know. I, I think, you know, I'm pretty sure boards are... I think that they lean more on how the family feels about it than anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And by the time, you know, by this time, her sister's, her sister's still around, her brother, even her husband, husband yeah. her, her the, you know, obviously he's, I'm sure he's moved on, but he was still affected by this. And so I'm sure he would probably be able to give a statement as well. So can you imagine being his wife, knowing that his previous wife was Selena? I know. <laughs> so, Selena's life story, as we were talking about, did become the subject of a, of a movie in 1997, just a couple of years after this happened. Jennifer Lopez starred as Selena. It was really her breakout movie, you know. And uh, she had done a couple of movies before this. Jack was one of them. There was another one that was kind of popular, but I don't think either of them were where she was necessarily like hugely popular um this was the role that got her you know uh the most attention and kind of put her out there and she became the first latina actress to take home one million dollars for a movie role and mm -hmm, she was nominated for a golden globe being nominated for a golden globe that's a pretty big deal you know especially for someone who's not that she wasn't you know real experienced right i think i want to say because you know where she did the super bowl this past year i think that she said something about how this movie not only put her on the map as like an actress but even for her musical career too like it was a big yeah. like help help helper helpful words are hard uh yeah you know in her musical career as well yeah that makes sense it makes perfect sense because she was able to show off her uh, acting skills and her singing ability. So as far as Selena's albums and her musical career, she had in 1990, she her album Ven Von Migo was the first Yano record to achieve gold record status. It sold more than 500,000 copies. Her album Live in 1993, she was the first female Tejano art artist to take home a Grammy for Best Mexican American Album. And that album hit number two on the Billboard's Top Latin albums chart so in 1995 she had another album and it went gold as well 
And then, of course, she was killed in 1995. Did I say 1995? In 1994, she had another album that went gold. And then in 1995, her last performance was on February 26, 1995 at the Houston Astrodome. And it was filmed so you can see a lot of footage of that concert on YouTube. And there's one video that I sent to you. I don't know if you had a chance to look at it or not. It's so cool because someone put together like clips from the movie with Jennifer Lopez doing the songs and then clips from her. It was identical. Isn't that neat? Jennifer Lopez did such an amazing job. So yeah, you can see that footage um, of Jennifer Lopez doing her performances and then Selena. And they put them side by side and it's just amazing what a wonderful job Jennifer Lopez did. She looks just like her. She Her mannerisms. Identical. Oh, identical. I read that she actually went down there to prepare for the role and stayed with the family for a time and watched home videos and she just interviewed the family and just really immersed herself into the role so and you can tell it really paid off it's a it's an excellent movie and you know from 1997, a movie from 1997, and we watched it just a couple of nights ago, I was really, I mean, obviously, there's going to be a little bit of production issues, like you can kind of tell with some things um, that it's a little back in the day. But for the most part, it's very well done and still holds up. Like, it's a very enjoyable movie to watch. So, Dreaming of You, her uh, very last album, was released after her death, and it became a huge hit. So it hit number one on the Billboard Top 200 the week of August 5th, 1995. So it made it the first predominantly Spanish language album to top the chart. So, you know, because that, that wasn't just a Latino uh, category. It was overall. And it's, it's unfortunate that it happened after she died and she didn't get to see that. So Netflix did announce it was developing a scripted series about her life with the family, with her family serving as executive producers. It's called Selena, the series part one. And it was set to debut in 2020. But now with COVID and everything, who knows whether that's going to happen? Maybe there was some production issues. Coronavirus has ruined everything. Mm -hmm. It has ruined so many things. It's just so sad. Selena was honored with a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame on November 3rd, 2017. And they proclaimed uh, Selena Day, November 3rd, 2017 in Los Angeles. Mayor Eric Garcetti declared that. And so that's pretty cool, too. And that's the story of Selena and her death by the nurse Yolanda Saldivar, which is just so sad. I remember watching that movie the first time. I didn't know who Selena was. I didn't know anything about her. I didn't know her music. I I wasn't familiar at all with the story. I just was watching the movie. So I was completely shocked at the end when she was killed. Yeah, my sister used to make me watch that all the time as a kid. And now that I'm thinking of this, it was a lot of musical movies she made me watch and I would have to act them out with her. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I used to watch Selena all the time as a kid. It's a really good movie. You guys should go watch it. Go watch it. And then I encourage you to go to YouTube and look up some videos of her. Just watch her perform. She was so passionate and like a firecracker. Yeah, she was. So our good nurse story this week is a nurse. I wanted to find someone who maybe is sort of like an unsung hero, someone who, which a lot of these are, but I, I mean someone who would 
normally never be talked about. And this nurse is like that. So this is Jean Williams. Jean Williams uh, was the first uh, black nurse to be hired at Bridgeport Hospital in Connecticut. And it sounds like, well, why is that such a big deal? It's not. That's the whole point. I wanted to really highlight someone who is just kind of an everyday person doing everyday things. And she just she walked into a hospital in 1959 looking for a job. She just wanted a job. And the person hiring her said, I'm going to give you a chance. And she was hired on the spot as a nurse at that hospital. And she was the first black nurse to be hired there. And she says that she would never have imagined that she would be putting on a new nursing cap and be being recognized for her accomplishments 60 years later because to celebrate Black History Month at the facility where she lived um, in February of 2019, they recognized her for her accomplishments. And, and so she said, I never thought anyone would even think about me after leaving Bridgeport Hospital. And when I watched her interview that they did on the news, it just that kind of hit me like how how sad you know that you would think well nobody's ever going to think of me and she did something significant and it made me think that you know there are people all over this country who not you know in different ways kind of blaze the trail for others and in this case she blazed the trail for other black people to come along and be able to take positions at that hospital and people have done this all across the decades all across this country just quietly but courageously being willing to walk in and ask to be the first person to do something like that it takes a lot of courage and a brave person and a strong person and then no one ever thinks of it and a lot of times they don't even realize how significant their actions were and how much they really changed the lives of other people to come after them and how much they made a difference. So I just thought it was kind of cool to kind of bring, bring her um, into the spotlight and talk about her. I think it's great. Yeah, her, they, in the interview, they showed her, I believe it was her grandson, and he said, you know, you can ask her what she had for breakfast that morning, but she, wouldn't remem- she won't remember that, she, but she can tell you anything. You can ask her anything about nursing, and she can just rattle it off, you know, the answers. So she said a lot of her children and grandchildren actually went into the medical field. They were inspired by her. So um, she inspired you know, her family to go, you know, I guess be nurses and, and uh, different professions. So I guess that's it for this week another episode um i appreciate you coming on tell remind everybody where they can find you and in, in your podcast yeah so it's do so dishes crime and i have a last name that nobody knows how to spell so it is d-e-u-s-o <laughs> um and we're on all major platforms um spotify pandora apple stitcher um and trying to get on uh one other one that apparently we're not allowed to mention right now have you got an email about I'll text you about that one. I'm sure you've probably got an email about it. Um, okay. And there's a bunch of other ones, but those are the four major ones. Um, and we do a true crime episode each week. And we also feature a rescue pup of the week. Well, you guys know that you can find me at Tina at goodnursebadnurse.com. You can send me emails. Please, if you want to connect with me, send me any um, like stories that you have or just some feedback that's the best way to do it or you can follow us on instagram at good nurse bad nurse or twitter at gmbn podcast or facebook at gmbn podcast 
love to hear from you. I love to, if, if you guys would um, also go on to Apple Podcasts and do a rate and review, that's, that also helps us too, to just go in there and give us a little rating, give us a sh- little shout out, a little review. We appreciate that as well. And I also want to remind you guys that even if you're a bad girl or a bad boy,